0: another edition of the underdog football show my name is josh norris his name is hayden winks hayden we're here sundays tuesdays thursdays this is why we do the work though this is why we talk all summer project things that happen go through all the game film during the week for sundays like today week five was complete bananas
1: for no a lack of a better word how you doing man I'm doing good, but uh, after all today's games, we still have the Chiefs-Bills game. So let's get into the games real quick so we can actually watch that, you know. (laughs) Very quickly, this again is our instant reaction show.
0: Uh, Some games we'll dive into a lot. Some games we're going to ask questions, what we're going to look at later on in the week. Uh, Really, you know, on the surface, hit on a bunch of performances, game flow narratives, injuries along the way that will help with your waiver wire. So let's do that. We're going to start in the 4 o'clock window. Hayden Wink's. Cleveland Browns, 42, Los Angeles Chargers, 47. I believe this game had a total of 54 and a half heading into it. We close out with 89 points. you love to see it. The Chargers, again, at home, improve to 4-1. and one, Definitely behind the arm of Justin Herbert, 398 yards
1: and four touchdowns. Take us through your instant reaction. Going into about like the fourth quarter, it was 27 to 21. The Browns were up. After that, this was the 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 play-by-play drives. We have touchdown, 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 punt, <laughs> touchdown, turnover on downs, game over. And this was insane just because outside of like, obviously you have like Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, all those guys, the next best coaches to me, it's Kevin Stefanski and Brandon Taylor. And right now in this game, you saw a bunch of cool modern stuff. And in two different philosophies, obviously when you have Justin Herbert, you're going to air it out. And that's why he dropped back that many times. Mike Williams had another massive game. On the flip side, the Browns, still a modern offense, but more uh, run heavy. And you saw Nick Chubb go berserk. And we didn't see, Staley basically said, go for it, Nick Chubb, rush for 160 plus yards, break off all these long runs. We'll live with that because we're just looking for a couple turnovers on downs and then maybe a a field goal here and there to win the games. But there was the best little sequence in, in the game was after uh, nailing a couple fourth downs, going for two, down 14, all the analytics things, uh, Austin Eckler, while down one point with like less than two minutes to go, he could have scored a touchdown. He does a thing where he slides down to run the clock. Awesome stuff. The next play to hand it to Eckler, he's trying to dance a little bit, trying to get tackled again. The Browns, smart enough, pick Eckler up by himself and throw his ass in the end zone. To I've, always wondered, to win. I've always wondered what that
0: moment would be like because we've seen teams let the other teams score. Yes. We've never seen them literally carry a player and bring them in to the end zone. So there's what? About just over a minute left. You have yep. bigger Mayfield in that scenario. No timeouts remaining. What happens from there?
1: They, they march down the field. They get a couple of first downs here and there to kind of take out some clock, a couple of Hail Mary attempts, go, go to waste. And then ends up 47 to 42. Justin Herbert looked awesome. Mike Williams looked awesome. Eckler scores a bunch of touchdowns, but even the Browns, like you have to be pretty ecstatic. if You're the Browns. Obviously the defenses got toast here. Miles yeah. Garrett and Bosa made a couple plays here and there, but when you're this well coached and you have this many elite players like Nick Chubb, elite running back, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, Uh, All of these guys, just awesome. This is one of the best games you'll you'll ever see in the regular season. So take me through that
0: because, you know, this is a game with some really, really good defensive players. I know Greedy Williams was in and out. I know Denzel Ward was in and out, but you mentioned Miles Garrett. I saw this six spin move against Rashawn Slater at the left tackle spot. We know that Joey Bosa, especially against the Browns' backup left tackle, and I think even backup to that left tackle, was was in there. So Derwin James made some plays as well. This isn't lacking for for defensive, you know, explosive players yet. Is this now a microcosm of where NFL offenses are right now, and especially with head coaches in the NFL? Who I think I saw that Brandon Staley because you had this game like going for it on fourth and eight in some scenarios, fourth down in other scenarios. This is now, instead of three you know, downs and then punting, all these younger, smart coaches are understanding, hey, we have Justin Herbert. We have these other great playmakers. We can extend drives more often if we have and utilize all four of these downs at our disposal, and that gets you 47 points on the scoreboard.
1: Yeah, that sequence, it was two different fourth downs. They get them both. And then when they scored the touchdown later, that's when they were down 14 points. All of the research papers suggest, and there's a little bit of game theory element, when you're down 14, you score that touchdown, go for two so you know what to do later in the game. You don't want to go, try to go to overtime. And the kickers for the Chargers always miss their extra points anyways, and they ended up missing <laughs> an extra point in this game. We haven't even talked about that either. So Brandon Staley's playing awesome football. The Chargers seem like they're really on fire right now. They just beat the Chiefs. There's another big-time win. The Chargers are legit competitors in the AFC and a lot of that starts with Brandon Staley, but the offensive line looks better. Justin Herbert is still ridiculous all over the fields. And you're seeing that Mike Williams leap where they needed that second playmaker or that third playmaker. And Mike Williams is, of course, ascended beyond just a playmaker right now. And obviously the
0: Chargers had that week two loss with the Dallas Cowboys 20 to 17. What we're seeing with now is the Cowboys are one of the more complete teams in the NFC as well. We talked about the Chargers so much this offseason. It was one of those teams. I mean, you and I talk a lot like three or four times a week, but the charter's name kept popping up. And it wasn't just because, you know, last year, Justin Herbert was the best in the NFL in terms of facing disruption, even though he faced the most disruption in, in the NFL. It was also the change from Anthony Lynn and the play caller last year. And like the end of game scenarios where they just left points on the scoreboard where they didn't use their timeouts correctly. And then the change over into brain and Staley. And we just thought naturally, that was going to shift positively in the charter's direction, mind you. Now, Brandon Staley has become like wa- must-watch press conference television every single week, in terms of his just outlining and free-flowing and willingness to to give off exactly what's going on in his thought process. When we see the rest of the NFL, you know, not want to name starting quarterbacks and not want to tell you what they're going to do here and here and like secret information, Staley's putting it out on the table for you. And even with all of that, this team is shining with that improved
1: offensive line and improved individual
0: talents as well. Can we dive into those individual?
1: Yeah, go ahead. What, one name, just talking about individual talent. And obviously, when you get 42 points, there's some things that are going wrong defensively. But Derwin James, 17 tackles, nine solo tackles. And the two teams combined had one turnover in this entire game. And that turnover was an Austin Eckler. There's like. 40 seconds going into the halftime, and he was trying to make a play on a screen and got the ball punched out. That led to a, f- a field goal. Bad fumble by Austin Eckler, but that was the only turnover. So Herbert yeah. dropping back a bunch of times, same with Baker Mayfield, and there's playmakers everywhere, and they were able to limit themselves. That's like that's a top-down approach.
0: Obviously, a lot of players, when you put up 47 points, are going to go berserk. Uh, you mentioned Austin Eckler, 53 receiving yards a score, 66 rushing yards, and two scores, even though he might not have wanted that that last one Uh, we have to talk about Mike Williams and these wide receivers because I saw very early on, Mike Williams was left completely uncovered for 72 yards and a score. He had 16 targets in this game, eight receptions, 165 yards. Now we know Mike Williams started off the season as a top five wide receiver. I'm not going to say it kind of disappeared from there, but people got, you know, so concerned last week when he had one reception for four yards on four targets for 11 yards. But Hayden, this is what we should anticipate every single week. Not something, you know, to the tune of 165 yards and two touchdowns, but that there are legitimate top 12 wide receivers and two of them on this team.
1: Yeah, and that's just because they are top five going into this week in neutral pass rate and top five in neutral pace. Like, it's easy as that. When you have Justin Herbert throwing the ball at a top five level on top of it, and you're having a really aggressive fourth down and going for two, all that fun stuff. Like, this just, like, the one of the best offenses you can ever uh, build up for fantasy success. And there's not a third receiver still like Jalen Guyton, like Josh Palmer. These guys are not involved. They'll, they'll get Parham. Jared. They'll get Jared cook and Donald Palm going in the uh, red area a little bit, but when it's like first and 10, it's going to three guys and they're getting a lot of first and 10s because they keep moving the chain. So like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, those guys are awesome fantasy picks. Uh, Keenan Allen will have better days. I promise. Uh, I don't think that Mike Williams is like all of a sudden light years better than Keenan Allen. Those guys are going to go back and forth a little bit. Trust your damn quarterback
0: like Brandon Staley's doing. Uh, I also want to see the breakdown in coverage because there was another wide open play for Mike Williams later on where he scored as well. Quarters. Quarters for the Browns. Let's jump to the Browns side because, again, when you put up 42 points, even in a losing effort, some of your players absolutely go off. And, namely, it was the two running backs. Nick Chubb, 21 carries. 161 yards, one score, which was a 52-yarder along the sideline. Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt even puts up two touchdowns, 61 yards, because he gets those high-value touches, and 28 receiving yards on five catches. I understand, and look, it paid off, that the Chargers, in some ways, allowed running backs to get production. But let's not you know, have that be a negative towards these running backs because they are unreal talents and dare people, dare people, write negative words about Nick Chubb and how he's a letdown because he is truly one of the unique talents
1: in the NFL. And it's just a matter of time until he reels off big plays like this. Since the beginning of 2020, and this is all with uh, Kareem Hunt, he's averaging 17.3 PPR points. That's 105 total yards and almost a touchdown on average per game with a reception or two. So he's providing you what borderline RB1 numbers with Kareem Hunt. So people just need to take a deep breath, Nick Chubb is a complete outlier. He doesn't have to catch five passes a game to be an RB when he's behind this offensive line. And when he's this elite of a player, even with Kareem Hunt mixing in, he's still a top 10 running back, especially in standard and half PPR leagues. And we, we have never seen Kareem Hunt in this modern offense with this offensive line without Kareem Hunt. If that happens, like we're talking about those Dalvin cook type numbers. Um, So I would, I would, hold on to him, take a deep breath. He still right. is an RB one, even with Kareem hunt. Uh, he's just going to be more inconsistent, but like not every single player, uh, can just average 20 points a game. That's not how this works. David and had a career
0: day, even though I think he had like two touchdowns, uh, earlier this season as well. Seven receptions, 149 yards. When you talk about two people. Let's first talk about Baker Mayfield because last week we know against the Vikings was horrible and that was in a win. They just scored 14 points in that game. He attempted 15 or completed 15 of 33 for just 155 yards. Today, a little better. Two touchdowns, 305 yards on 32 attempts. Did you see anything with the shoulder? Did that seem to hamper him at all throughout this game? I will note Again, with a minute left, it just felt like he failed to push the ball down the field, and there were a bunch of checkdowns, and they just settled settle for
1: a Hail Mary at the end of the game. Yeah, that was like kind of just like one random drive, and I didn't know with without the All-22 what the Chargers were doing. They could have easily just been saying, hey, here's a first down for free. Just take it. But yeah, overall, Baker Mayfield looked totally fine. He's just not the difference maker that like Justin Herbert is. There still was a plenty of uh, big plays in the passing game. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a couple of them. David Njoku had a 71-yard uh, catch and run. Uh, off of a, a broken tackle from the Seer Adelie, t- too. So it, there's, the Bills or the Browns are just built for explosive plays. This Baker Mayfield just has to really start hitting him. He really missed last week. This week, he was kind of so so. Um, D- Odell Beckham was not that involved. He made one awesome catch, uh, dragging his toes near the sideline, but he did not have the target chair that we're kind of accustomed to.
0: Let's jump to Arizona Cardinals. San Francisco 49ers. Before we do that, I need everyone who is watching right now. For some reason, 81% of you who watch our content, not subscribed. What are you doing? We have a great time, especially on Sundays like today. Join us here on the channel. Like and subscribe down below. Again, we have this show Sunday evenings. We have another one on Tuesday where we mix game film and data and analytics. And then obviously Thursday, it's our game by game preview show. We just have an absolute blast. We're glad that you're joining us in the chat as well. Okay, let's jump to Arizona Cardinals winning 17-10 to over the San Francisco 49ers. We'll get to the Cardinals in a moment because I know a lot of people here want and are interested in Trey Lance's debut. The stats say 15 of 29 for 192 yards, one interception. Hayden, on the ground, 16 carries for 89 yards. Just for first, a zoom out look at the 49ers. It could not be more drastically different in how Kyle Shanahan managed this game with Trey Lance versus what we've seen in recent weeks with Jimmy Garoppolo. In those games with Jimmy, it's so much of, hey, we're going to line up these outside the numbers or downfield throws for you early on. And if you miss them, we're going to grind out wins. We're going to hand the ball off. We're going to have, you know, tight end or running back screens or wide receiver screens to Debo Samuel. And we're going to play really good defense. That was not the game plan at all. I mean, Trey Lance opened with a 15-yard run, then just a couple of plays later, air-mailed a pass over the middle of the field, and that was his lone interception on the day. But as soon as you go after that, Hayden, I truly feel like Kyle was like, okay, man, we don't have George Kittle. Our offensive linemen are committing six or seven holding penalties every single time out there. You have to go make a play for us. And so obviously those 16 carries were not design runs. They were running tons of deep patterns. And then Trey dropping his eyes for good reason and picking up a lot of tough yards. I mean, he was trying to barrel over people. And again, I cannot understate how drastic of a difference it was versus grinding out little gains here or there and opening up open wide receivers versus trying to force Trey Lance to make a play. And he almost did it. There were multiple occasions where they almost came back to
1: tie this game. Yeah, this is a great baseline for Trey Lance to walk into. My concern with him, even for this year, or particularly for this year, is it appears that Kyle Shanahan just like doesn't really trust him to make the actual reads. And if that's the case, I can see him going back to Jimmy G very easily. And I, I want to note one thing that was kind of overlooked in his pre-draft profile was he was pretty in- inaccurate. Like Down the field, accuracy was a problem. And I looked at his the box score... It was an 11th percentile completion percentage over expected game for him today. And you kind of see it. I'm not sure if it's mechanical. If he, I'm not sure if he's nervous, but he throws the ball hot and he throws the ball high a lot. And it oh, kind of yeah. reminds me of Josh Allen early on. And obviously when you're watching Trey Lance, you're like, okay, this is an awesome athlete could do all this stuff. You can throw the ball a mile. I feel like it's just going to take him a little bit to get things going. And I wonder if that just means that Shannon's going to say, look, we're going to be starting Jimmy G um, unless he's injured. I think the Cardinals have a bye coming up, and I, I would expect Jimmy
0: G to go back in there because I think it's you know Kyle's safe's place. But all of what you're saying of an accurate downfield thrower, is that Jimmy Garoppolo? No, that's not Jimmy G either. You know, So I, I don't know if that's a big loss here. Now, your point of 200 miles per hour throws, yes. Trey has yeah. a ton of those, and it doesn't matter if it's short. It doesn't matter if that's deep. Some of them bounced off his wide receiver's hands. I, I can't, though, say enough that his offensive line let him down at times. Now, it can be highly difficult for you to block for a quarterback who you don't know where he is, you know? Like, if he's dropping his eyes, climbing up, rolling out the back, that means you have to mirror one-on-one over and over and over again. So you're going to see naturally more... You know, holding calls in your offensive line because of that, but the defensive line and JJ Watt seemed unblockable at times. Chandler Jones unblockable at times were knocking down a ton of passes. Again, there were a couple moments like stuffed at the goal line on fourth down where he lowered his shoulder was an inch away that Isaiah Simmons just got lower and made hit, made the hit, and Isaiah Simmons was set into the blue tent in concussion protocol because of it. And then there was another time where it was another fourth and one ish, and then without you know asking Trey Lance to have that. They motion Kyle Yuschek into under center and have him run a quarterback sneak. And again, I don't want to just put this on the quarterback. I actually think that Kyle has been hit or miss a lot this season as well. And you and I love Kyle Shanahan. I'm not going to say anything you know, about him overall as a head coach. But I think he hasn't navigated this season perfectly. Like this plan that he had hasn't gone exactly how he wanted it to. And that popped up today in game situations as well.
1: Yeah, very interesting. It looks like uh, Eli Mitchell was clearly ahead of Trey Sermon. We kind of expected that just because that's how it was early on. And Brandon Ayuk was not a full-time player. I think he played probably what most of the snaps, but he's just not a focal point of the offense. And that's really concerning because Trey Lance had uh, 29 attempts and he only mustered up four targets and that's without George Kittle. So I don't know what we were supposed to do with Brandon. Ayuk. Obviously, he's probably just a bench hold, but it doesn't seem very promising right now.
0: Yeah, well, Brandon Ayuk has about as many receptions this season as, as Trevon Diggs does, so that that's not yeah. that's not very good. Uh, I, yeah, early on, Travis Benjamin. It sounded like the beat Riders knew what was coming. Thanks for sharing it with us. That Travis Benjamin was playing ahead of Brandon Ayuk for downfield routes. But then Brandon did make some really, really nice plays, including a 26-yarder where he made it a lot of people miss. Again, Debo is like the most bankable piece here. Yep. Because three receptions, 58 yards. He also gets a rushing, rushing touchdown for 13. And finally, let's settle on this backfield because with Eli Mitchell back after multiple weeks out, um, he's the clear top running back. Yep. Now, that running game is different with Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. In fact, I would bank on him moving forward, having many more carries than the nine he had here. Today, but Trey Sermon, I don't think got a touch until about five minutes left on the clock, and that was it. It was a nice run, but it's just so it's so clear that uh, that Shannon trusts Eli Mitchell more so than Trey Sermon right now.
1: Should we move Debo Samuel into like the wide receiver three territory if Trey Lance starts? Hmm. I think, I think so. There's less pass attempts. It's less bankable. He's still the one, but I think he's going to be way more volatile if, if Lance starts again. I'm still going to
0: have him as a top 24 wide receiver uh, because I've, Arizona's defense played really well here, you know, and against worse defenses if they face those. And I just think Trey at times was trying to do a little bit too much, but I think they also – I mean, everything was just moving so quickly. Everything was just moving so quickly. Let's talk about Arizona's team, though, real quick, because, again, they're the only five-and-no team. In the NFL, Kyler Murray with one of the more lackluster s- stat lines you'll see all season long for him. But 22 of 31, 239, one touchdown, just one rushing yard. He actually appeared to hurt like his throwing bicep towards the end of the game, which is not a great sign. But there were a couple moments that really stood out. One was this Rondale Moore, beautiful catch along the left sideline. He's about five foot seven. He extended to about six foot seven. And he's still playing about 40 to 50% of the snaps. But we saw him get a manufactured touch near the goal line that was one yard short that was for 26 yards. We also saw, again, that extended catch for 33 yards along the sideline. He's making these plays, but so is everyone else still, Hayden. So I'm still not sure exactly you're going to thrust him into a full-time workload, and I wouldn't expect that in the near future.
1: Yeah, I haven't watched, but the box score seems pretty much exactly what you would expect, except that A.J. Green only had two targets, but he he's still playing in, in 12 personnel. So, like, I think we have this, this Cardinals team pegged. It's just like, is Kyler Murray going to have 5,000 yards or is he going to have only 300? <laughs> uh, Chase Edmonds did miss a lot of the second half, it felt
0: like just six carries for 15 yards coming off his shoulder injury. Again, James Conner was able to get a goal line touchdown, which we know for him, if anything changes moving forward, Max Williams seemed to suffer an awful knee or ankle injury on the sideline, So their, their tight end position is going to change. And DeAndre Hopkins came up big. I mentioned with Kyler flexing his bicep and really he led a touchdown drive towards the end that kept this from being a much closer game, but he lined up on, you know, the right side and caught one on a short pass that he came back towards the football, went up and got it and then caught a, Contested catch on the left sideline as well. So six catches and 87 yards and a score for him.
1: That Max Williams note could be really relevant for Rondell Moore though, because they were playing a lot of uh, 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets because Max Williams was actually giving them something in both phases. And if Max Williams is not out there and obviously they got rid of Dan Arnold this offseason, that could influence the Cardinals to go more for wide receiver sets. And that could make Rondell Moore on the field, just a little bit more. Yeah.
0: Again, just 17 points for the Cardinals, so not everyone is going to hit the ceilings that we talk about every single week, but that's just a blip on the radar compared to what we expect for the Cardinals this season. You want to jump to another rookie quarterback in his second start this season? Uh, the Chicago Bears beat the Las Vegas Raiders 20-9 to on the road. The Bears improved to 3-2. and two. Andy Dalton on the sideline. Justin Fields on the field. We saw 17 attempts from him on the, in the air last week. Just 20 today, Hayden. 111 yards and one touchdown and just four yards on the ground. These aren't like ridiculous standout stat sheets, but something must be going right for them
1: to be winning both these games. Yeah, they're just playing ball control, and they can run the ball really well. Like last week, David Montgomery was awesome, and obviously he gets injured, and then you had good games from Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams. Both of them got involved. Uh, Justin Fields' one touchdown was a bootleg rollout to the right, backup touchdown or backup tight end for a touchdown. He averaged 10.3 uh, yards through the air uh, or air yards um, per, per throw. So he's throw on the ball downfield, it's just pretty inconsistent. And They're not going to let him throw the ball 35 times. Like that is very clear. They want to be very slow paced, very neutral in their, in their game scripts in general. And that's just going to make it hard for Justin Fields to crack that top 12 because right now he's an inconsistent passer at best. We see the flashes. Hmm. We saw it last week, probably more so than we did this week. But it's just gonna be harder if they're gonna be. They came into this week thirty uh, first in pass attempts. Obviously, they're gonna be at thirty first or thirty second after this week too. So that makes it hard for Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, all these guys, and Justin Fields uh, to crack into like the must play fantasy lines because Justin Fields is not getting those Trey Lance uh, automatic runs right now. So it's it's just a, it's a very slow, boring offense, really.
0: So let me ask about that because we just talked about Trey Lance who had 16 carries. A lot of them weren't designed. A lot of them were on like third and long situations and he ran twice in a row. Why does Justin Fields, like including last week, just have four or five carries overall when we're getting 18 carries for Khalil Herbert, 16 carries for 64 yards and a score for Damian Williams. Like this is like an untapped area that the bills don't want to go into where other quarterbacks that are mobile across the league are having their numbers called in these scenarios.
1: Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that they went into halftime leading 14 to three and the Raiders offense, just like how it was last week has completely just gone, uh, hidden the brakes. So I wonder if they just didn't feel that threatened for whatever reason, they weren't needing to run Justin Fields all over the place. Um, but they were also just getting good, good games from both of the running backs here. And, uh, Damien Williams had a nice spin move for a touchdown was involved in the passing situations. Khalil Herbert, adds a little more of a thumping element to the ground game. He got more involved in the second half once uh, the Bears built out a little bit of lead. So maybe in negative game script, like what Trey Lance was in a little bit more, he'll, he'll run the ball a tad bit. You kind of just see that historically. There's some like crazy Deshaun Watson splits, and obviously Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, but basically the same player uh, coming out of school uh, where Deshaun runs like crazy in losses, but is not running as much and wins too. So it's something to monitor. But right now, Justin Fields, it looks like it's going to be Pretty difficult for him to be a consistent top 12 fantasy quarterback just because of the way the offense is structured. And
0: since we know that David Montgomery's on injury reserve, going to miss a few games, the splits in the carries were nearly identical between Herbert and Damien Williams. Damien Williams did add two receptions for 20 yards. Was that something where in positive game flow? one was getting the ball or it kind of was split 50 50 throughout the whole contest.
1: Damien Williams definitely had the advantage um, in the first half. I'll go back and I'll come up with the the garbage time stat that I have in one of my columns on Underblog, And I'll have like that, that exact answer, but Cleo Herbert was definitely getting more run probably because he's the bigger back, more physical back late in the game.
0: They do have the Packers next, then the Bucs. We know they're not going to try to run against the Bucs. Hopefully they won't. Good coaching would say that they that they won't. So maybe that's the game we see Justin Fields, you know, try to eclipse 30 passing attempts in, in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll be nervous for Allen Robinson until that time too because, Hayden, just the last few games, I mean, if you take out week one against the Rams, five targets, three targets, six targets, and four targets right now for yeah. Allen Robinson.
1: I've lost hope, I think.
0: Yeah. Let's jump to the um, Raiders end because, I mean, Derek Carr took a major shot in this game. Good on him for being able to return. I thought his, like, spine got rolled up on. Uh, He converted no touchdowns, 260 yards, 15 carries for Josh Jacobs and a score there. Is there anything of note to talk about on the Raiders end? I saw a few missed deep shots as well.
1: Yeah, he just missed some passes, and he was on fire um, in the beginning of the year, and obviously Derek Carr has kind of been inconsistent throughout. One note I did have was – The broadcasters, they were interviewing Josh Jacobs before the game, and he said that he felt better, like as best as he's ever felt off of all these injuries. And then he, to me, it didn't come through in the box score per se, but test was telling me that he at least looked a bit uh, better this week. And it's of note, Josh Jacobs, five targets, Kenyon Drake, one. So they just paid Kenyon Drake all this guaranteed money this offseason with Josh Jacobs for this role, for this game script, and Josh Jacobs was the guy. So I think that right now, like, It's very unsexy to call Josh Jacobs an RB2. Right now, he's got the goal line back, and he's actually getting more receptions than Kenyon Drake. Um, And to me, he looked much better. Like last week, I thought his ankle and his foot and all that stuff looked really bad. This week, you kind of see how things are progressing a little bit.
0: Let's jump to the Dallas Cowboys, who put up 44 points against the New York Giants. I know a lot of people have been wondering, like, well, we saw against Tampa Bay in week one, just air it out and get the ball to – Mari Cooper and Tony Pollard and, and C.D. Lamb. Where has that been? Even in games, they put up 36 points and, and 41 points. Well, today you got a, a little bit of everything because a 44-20 to 20 dominant effort from the Cowboys got you there. 302 passing yards, three touchdowns, and an interception for Dak Prescott. That means we got a 49-yard touchdown. That was a beautiful Lofted pass down the right sideline to CeeDee Lamb. We had Amari Cooper who seemingly left this game once again, getting his touchdown down the middle of the field, 60 yards and a score himself. And Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard both got there in terms of volume. 21 carries, 110 yards for Zeke. 14 carries, 75 yards for Tony Pollard. Again, what we are seeing is a great defensive effort by the Cowboys defense who has you know some really good players. Michael Parsons. Leighton Vanderesh made a play on Daniel Jones, actually knocked him out of the game. We'll get into that to a moment where he stopped him on third or second and goal at the one yard line. Trevon Diggs, who's coming up, I think with six interceptions so far this season, it's so different than in years past where they thought they had to outscore everyone. Now they can outscore everyone. But when your defense also keeps the opposition less than 21 points, there's absolutely really, really something there for the Cowboys to retain this success for the rest of the season.
1: The offensive line reemergence and the defense coming out of nowhere, particularly with Diggs, that's got the Cowboys in like Super Bowl conversations again. I think sure. this team's really legit. And that's also making Ezekiel Elliott look much better because they're actually being in good game scripts. And Zeke Elliott looks much better running the ball than he did last year. He's definitely lost weight. He's running the ball quicker, according to next gen stats, like by a wide margin. And the offensive line is awesome right now. And they're getting production from their tight ends. And they're just doing it in 12 personnel, which is crazy because when Michael Gallup comes back, now they have two different offenses that they can run. So, like, good luck stopping the Cowboys. You're going to see Dak Prescott absolutely go nuts when he has to. But there's going to be some weeks where it's going to be very neutral. Their, their pace is down. Their neutral pass rate a little bit down. But it's not stopping the Cowboys. It's clearly working. Maybe it's a little bit worse for our target numbers that we were hoping for. But, like, right. the offense is, like, beyond clicking right now. You can't complain.
0: You, you might not get those massive Mike Williams games or those massive Devontae Adams games. Those might come, though. I mean, when you face really good teams in the, in the in the season, that those might come, but you're still getting a ton of points, and yet Zeke rumbling for that 15-yard touchdown also had a receiving touchdown in this game. I cannot believe people disrespect Ezekiel Elliott. It's nuts. He's an incredible, incredible running back and just does a lot of the dirty work, too. On the Giants' side, we have to add, Saquon Barkley went down with one of the crazier ankle injuries that you will ever see. It was a drop pass in the secondary was just trying to walk back to the huddle, rolls his ankle on a Cowboys defender and it instantly balloons up five minutes later. He gets card to the locker room. And as I mentioned, when Daniel Jones is trying to use his rushing ability gets taken down, gets up, tries to wobble around back to the huddle and take gets taken off the field. So you really finish this game with Mike Glennon and Devante Booker. And then, the Giants have absolutely no success from there.
1: And then Kenny Galladay also leaves later in the game. That basically just left Kadarius Tony, who went absolutely nuclear on 13 targets, 189 yards. He looks like a different type of mover. And I think the last two weeks have showed showed us even when Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton come sure. back, he has to be out there. Like to me, he looks like the best player. Like he looks better than Kenny Galladay. Uh, maybe Sterling Shepard's more reliable than him, but Kadarius Toney, especially if Saquon Barkley's gonna miss some time. He's the guy that's going to give them some type of pop uh, of note, though. Kadarius Tony also throws a punch to a guy's a helmets. And what a ledge he's kicked out. And Joe judge tossed him out before the ref did. So he got tossed out basically twice. And this is the type of stuff that you're just going to, this is like why Kadarius Tony was like a very controversial first round pick. Cause he did a lot of weird stuff at Florida And this training camp was very odd for him too. And then obviously when he goes for
0: his head coach, all that kind of stuff,
1: he goes for 189 yards and then he can't even finish the game here. So there's a lot to figure out with the giants. Obviously the next, next week's injury report is going to be massive, but Devontae Booker getting 16 carries. He also was the primary uh, uh, um, back in the receiving game as well with four, four targets. So he's obviously gonna be a waiver wire guy. If we get bad news with Saquon.
0: One final thing let's reflect on Kadarius, Tony 13 targets, 10 receptions, 189 yards had a seven yard carry as well. Almost had some touchdowns. It wasn't just from the slot. It was also with the ball in his hands, took that wildcat play. It was on the sideline, making these ridiculous catches as well. This is another great instance where when we get to these summer drafts, he was going as wide receiver 99 on underdog 18th round pick every single time where Yes, so many negatives. People didn't think he should be a first-round pick. He was missing practices. It's a long damn season, but that first-round draft capital, he was being taken behind Brashad Perryman, a bunch of people who weren't even going to make rosters. All of those negatives are always baked in at times to some of these players. And when you get an 18th-round selection, all you need are three usable weeks. Here's one, and Hayden, it looks like we're going to have a bunch more considering just how good Kateri Zuni looks like that in week five of the NFL season, as long as Joe judge doesn't like kick him off the plane and make him walk. <laughs> He's going to
1: just do a uh, 5,000 wind sprints this week. He'll be ready for next week. He moves like Gumby though. Like he, yeah. he, there's a lot it's of weird Hall, movement,
0: but, but as a wide receiver, it's amazing. Yeah. It's so good much job. fun. All right. Before we jump to the earlier games, we just finished the later window. Like, and subscribe all of you. We're going to be talking until the Sunday night football game kicks off. And Hayden, let's rifle through some of those One o'clock games. Which one did you have first?
1: Uh, The Packers, Bengals, an absolute crazy game here. We'll just talk about it real quick. The field goal kickers miss a bunch of them, and then Crosby (laughs) ends up hitting one. So like, uh, we'll get that stuff out of the way. You guys have all probably heard about it right now. A couple things of note. Joe Mixon played, but he only played 19 snaps. Samaje Pirine got 14, and Chris Evans got the remaining seven. So it's definitely Samaje over Chris Evans um joe mixon probably should play more snaps next next week he didn't like look like he re-aggravated it he at least got a touchdown if you were forced to start him when it comes to joe burrow joe burrow goes to i think believe the hospital to get his throat checked out he's got like a bruised throat he took a bunch of hits throughout the game and a couple of those those hits early on kind of flustered him a a little bit he threw a really bad interception in overtime and a, a couple of these throws down the sideline were wobbling out of control and they were hanging up in the air forever. So it was a very inconsistent game for Joe Burrow. I thought he had a couple of great plays from Jamar Chase, but in, in general, so much of his stuff was just check down, check down, check down. And I think a lot of that was because he kept getting hit underneath.
0: Yeah. Talk me through that Joe Burrow stuff because I saw online and when I was watching Red Zone, you covered this game. It was those deep shots all along the right sideline as people out there joining us on YouTube can see. I wonder where Jamar Chase was lined up. Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly I think of like his 12 again 20 plus yard targets this year, Jamar Chase has eight of them. That was prior to yep. the game, and we got a few more. Um, but I saw like good Joe Burrow I, at times in terms of like understanding where they go to the football and trying to be accurate. We also thought with Joe Mixon ailing, this would open things up for Joe Burrow. And I, I guess not, maybe from a volume standpoint, because we got 38, but it wasn't in terms of unlocking the playbook and allowing him to attack the left and middle field 10 plus yards. Down. Is this just, you think what we're going to get the rest of the season? Like this was a little microcosm of it.
1: He has a below average arm. Like we've seen enough to, to realize that he has a below average arm and he's so smart pre-snap that he, whenever he sees something underneath that he likes, he just wants to step back and hit that. And I don't blame him And that. You could have an efficient offense doing that, but he's still a very inconsistent passer downfield. The one Jamar chase long touchdown was a completely broken play credit to Joe Burrow. He has a lot of these where he gets out of the pocket, makes some guys move and then, uh, Jamar Chase was on the left side, breaks on a route towards the sideline on the left side, ends up coming all the way across the field, makes a play Jamar Chase. See you later. Jamar Chase is making a lot of insane catches down the sideline too. So clearly he is an awesome player um, and he's getting a lot of long touchdowns. A lot of that is just because he's just so good. Um, but de- definitely want to take notice. Joe Burrow is moving a- around in the pocket a lot more and I'm not sure how much the Bengals want him to be doing that. There was a couple plays where he got absolutely nuked. Um, interesting by the Packers so you don't want you need I think they want Joe Mixon there so these type of games don't happen where Mm. Joe Burrow ends up going to the hospital because he took about 10 hits here and there was a time it looked like he
0: like hurt his knee or his left foot he got cracked on a run I mean it wouldn't be shocking at all if Joe Burrow doesn't you know try to run nearly as much as he did at least from what I saw in this game. Yeah, you mentioned the the huge Jamar Chase touchdown. I think he started like the left slot, ran across the entire field. That's the connection that they have probably just from their days at at LSU. When you talk about the the Packers end, because it wasn't just Jamar Chase making plays down the field. In fact, the person who one-upped him, Hayden, Devontae Adams. What a freaking day. You know me. I look at these charts all the time, but what Devontae Adams put on the field today in terms of 16 targets for 11 receptions, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Sometimes we see, you know, broken plays. Sometimes we see comeback routes. Sometimes we see slot receptions. Devontae Adams literally lined up every single place on the field and won. The Bengals could not stop him.
1: He might be the smartest receiver on the field. And I think that Adams and Rodgers for sure have the best quarterback, wide receiver connection. There was two plays I want to highlight from Devontae Adams that long play down the, the middle, a seam route, completely sold it, ran between two defenders, and ha- now he has the athleticism to go downfield and make a play, beautiful ball by Aaron Rodgers. And then the other one was the goal line fade where he wins at the line of scrimmage, and instead of waiting for the ball to get to him, high points the ball, catches it over somebody for another touchdown. So like these guys are just like on a completely another level. There's a, a video out there of Devontae Adams uh, going through his own film. I think it's on like NFL films right now. You have to watch like His brain is working like a quarterback, and now I think he has athleticism. So He, he, to me, is the best wide receiver in the game. He's the best fantasy wide receiver in the game. You can make a good argument for Tyreek Hill, but if you need a first down immediately, like Devontae Adams right now, it's on a completely another level.
0: No second receiver stepping up in Marquez Valdez-Scantling's absence. In fact, A.J. Dillon was second leading receiver, four receptions, four nine yards, and a score. And Aaron Jones got there with 103 yards, including a 57-yarder. Uh, let's, jump, let's jump to the Philadelphia Eagles somehow, Hayden, somehow being the Carolina Panthers 21 to 18. Let me cite through and rifle through a few things that happened in this game that the Panthers easily should have extended this lead by by 20 points. Okay. On their first three drive for the Eagles, three yards. Then they had 34 yards for the entire first quarter on four possessions. They had 49 yards in their first seven drives, which culminated in a 44 yards with our final first half drive. There was also a period where Devontae Smith converted a third and five. Dante Jackson Jackson forced a fumble. Sam Darnold throws an interception. Then Jalen Hurts throws an interception to to Dante Jackson. The Panthers also got a safety in this game, which a snap from Jason Kelsey went over Jalen Hurts' head. Yet somehow the Panthers were unable to win this contest. And Hayden, it really comes down to the quarterback play. 21 of 37 for Sam Darnold, 177 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. You and I have talked about it. We've highlighted this often, that even in that win against the Saints, even in the win against the Jets, there's one or two moments where Sam Darnold, his brain escapes his body, he tries to make plays that shouldn't be there. It didn't hurt them in wins, but when they pile up like this, it is going to eventually lead in losses, lead to losses, and that's exactly what happened today. The Panthers should easily be 4-1, and, and now they sit at 3-2. and two.
1: Yeah, that's just what you get with Sam Darnold. He can make the throws. He's a good athlete in space, and we've seen that with the touchdowns from him, but sometimes the brain just doesn't function all the way for Sam Darnold right now. And I think a lot of that's when there's a little bit of pressure. I haven't watched this game, but – Joe Brady's good enough to scheme up some production. I see uh, Chuba Hubbard goes for over 101 yards um, on this one. But, yeah, you're going to get some of these Sam Darnold games. There's a reason why uh, the Jets traded him away. Well,
0: and Matt Rule said this to the media afterwards. He said the tale of the past two games was the inability to protect the quarterback. And the Panthers did some offensive line shifting where they put Taylor Moten, who they just paid a bunch of money at right tackle, to play him at left tackle. They put Brady Christensen, who's an older rookie coming out of BYU, who spent, I believe, his entire career at BYU at left tackle, and put him at right tackle. I also think this is a complete cop-out because it's not like this was a Ryan Tannehill in week one situation where Chandler Jones was getting in for six sacks and forcing fumbles. A lot of the scenarios that Sam Darnold put this team behind in was Sam Darnold's doing. I mean, immediately, the Darius Slay interception, he was trying to hit a whole shot in cover two, boom outstretched there you go by the way Darius slay shadowed DJ Moore today and that resulted in five receptions for 42 yards on on seven targets a lot of this is on Sam Darnold it's not in the offensive line that is a cop out and Hayden it's why to me even if they go to the playoffs even if they finish i don't know 10 and 7 this year the panthers will 100% be looking to improve the quarterback position this offseason
1: Sam Darnold and how many first round picks for Russell Wilson next next offseason
0: or Aaron Rodgers might be the play. Uh, You mentioned Chuba, 24 carries for Chuba. We saw the passing down work go to Rodney Smith last week. Rodney Smith didn't play today. It was a lot of what we talked about where, you know, Chuba would would stress the outside, put his foot in the dirt, and get upfield. Now I want to bring up Jalen Hurts because there were about 55% of the snaps where Jalen Hurts was awful today. But, again, in that final drive in the first half to get points, later on when they needed it, he converted two rushing touchdowns He's just an absolute gamer and Jordan Mailata. So many of these other teammates come out and say, look, when we're down, when we're playing awful for stretch after stretch, after stretch again, 49 total yards and seven drives. Jalen hurts is the voice out there saying, Hey, we can do better. Let's get our head in the game. We're going to improve. We're going to put points on the scoreboard. And so much of that is going to go through Devonte Smith, eight targets, seven receptions, 77 yards. Again, Nick Sirianni isn't doing a lot of favors for Jalen Hurts. I add that because early on it's trying to do these screens and these short passes. Jalen Hurts dropping his eyes when he does get a chance, so on and so forth. But when it comes to crunch time, one quarterback played well in that moment and the other one didn't. And the one that played well, his name was Jalen Hurts.
1: I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to be one of my favorite just players to watch right now. He's just like so awesome. Like his interviews are awesome. The way he could handle himself in college was sick. Comes in last year, handled that perfectly. The offseason crazy, handled that perfectly, and then come back uh, win here in, in a pretty tough environment in Carolina, the team that's playing well. So uh, I'm with you. The passing numbers, it's going to be pretty bad sometimes. And like that's, that there's no way around it. He just doesn't see the middle of the field too often. He drops his eyes, like you said. I haven't seen what happened in this game, but you at least get the gamer. You at least get the rushing production, and you at least can throw the ball to Devonta Smith, who um, – Seven for seventy-seven on eight targets. Another one where he had a touchdown get called back. Uh, right. uh, he had a two-point conversion. He's so close to having an absolutely massive game, uh, but you got to be uh, pretty happy with him so far.
0: Four touchdowns called back in the last two weeks. For the, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Two quick notes. Uh, one, Robbie Anderson was like this close to another massive play. Avante Maddox reaches over his head on a deep touchdown, knocks it away at the last moment, did convert on a third and 15. And for some reason, when the Panthers could have stopped the clock with about two minutes left and try to get back the ball, Miles Sanders runs out of bounds twice in the final two minutes. Just a couple little small notes there. Okay, Hayden, we each had one more game that we focused on and we'll rifle through quickly the next few after that. So which one is up next for you?
1: Titans, Jaguars, first things first. Derrick Henry, 29 carries, 130 yards, three touchdowns. You know what you're getting there. I don't even think we need to talk about Derrick Henry. Uh when has, they got he, never, lead, it's going has he
0: scored three touchdowns every single time against the Jaguars in his career? It, it feels it, like it. It
1: does feel like it. Uh a couple interesting notes. Obviously, when the Titans do have these Derrick Henry games and they're up in the scoreboard early, like they were going into half 24-13. San Hill only throws the ball 22 times. Looks okay. Nothing too crazy to me. AJ Brown gets tackled at the one yard line. That would have been the difference between a usable AJ Brown week and then versus this three for 38 week. Um, it sucks. but like you need like a huge AJ Brown game in the first half or else like Derek Henry just kind of runs away with it. So that was like the, the game plan on the Titans, pretty standard stuff. The Jaguars, it does seem like they're trying to go a little more balanced when they can. They ran the ball 31 times. Trevor Lawrence throws the ball 33 times and James Robinson looked awesome. Again, 58 yard touchdown, ends up with 149 yards, one touchdown. The the passing numbers just were pretty inconsistent despite the Titans being pretty bad on defense and in the negative game scripts. You wish you would have got something from Visca or Marvin Jones. It went to all the other guys except those two.
0: I mean, how when you pay – you know Marvin Jones, who we've seen be productive earlier in the season, he and LaVisca Chenault combine, I believe, for eight targets. Meanwhile, Darren Arnold had eight targets by himself. Tavon Austin had five targets. Jamal Agnew had eight targets. That type of distribution makes no sense to me.
1: I, I will say the Jamal Agnew, that is a special teamer and gadget player. They're getting him the ball like at the expense probably of LaVisca. Visca. And you can make the same argument with Tavon Austin. And I can for sure 100% make the same argument that the James Robinson and being more neutral uh, or just more neutral in in neutral situations, running the ball a lot with James Robinson, who looks to me like a top 10 running back. We should have a conversation later about the dynasty impact with Travis Etienne because I never saw a complete back in Travis Etienne in college. I saw a lot of explosiveness. James Robinson is like literally the anti Travis Etienne. And if Urban Meyer gets canned out of here, it's going to be a really interesting conversation going into the dynasty circles because we could have a brand new regime looking at James Robinson going crazy for back-to-back seasons and Travis Etienne not exactly being a fit in every single game plan. So uh, the dynasty people need to be keeping track of James Robinson looking like a complete back right now.
0: The Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones situation is uh, is not going well. Right now, there was a period because it was a fourth and one and they handed it off to Carlos Hyde. Yeah. And Urban Meyer comes out after the game and says, well, one, I'm not responsible for, who, for who's in the ballgame at that moment. And two, the reason when Trevor Lawrence nearly got in the end zone in the previous play that we don't just run a quarterback sneak in that scenario is because Trevor Lawrence isn't comfortable with it. And Trevor Lawrence comes out and says, no, I, I absolutely am. Yeah. Uh, believe next weekend the Jaguars are in London would not be shocking at all. This is the last week that Urban Meyer is the
1: coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer loves pointing that dirty, smelly finger around at other people when he's asked about himself.
0: Absolutely thought we might get a backdoor cover here from the Jaguars. We did not. Yeah. I mean, Trevor, at least, is is unbreakable. And I think that might be the takeaway from the season because he was climbing the pocket. His his pocket movement was so subtle in a lot of those scenarios. I mean, Vizca, one catch. He took her 58 yards. It was amazing. He broke off a ton of tackles. Great catch. (laughs) Great on him. But one reception. All you volume kings out there. this guy ain't it right now. He's just not it. Okay. Uh, let's close out this one o'clock window of the big pictures with the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm trying to pull up. Do we have yeah. to? We yeah, we have to. And really just a couple quick talking points here. here we go is that early in this game, and really for the first half, the Steelers were able to create a 17 to six lead that was kind of insurmountable. And a major piece of that was early on going four, or six on third downs and reeling together 11 first downs. I believe that happened all in the first half. And a lot of that was on early drives. I mean, it was a third and three outside the numbers throw to chase Claypool. It was then like a third and eight long, deep conversion to Deontay Johnson. It kind of felt like, cause you know, Vic Fangio's defense, that Brian he takes and a, a number of other people take is very much built on preventing the big plays but how they would drive down and at least early in this game were able to be on really well-placed lofted but really well-placed passes just over top of them that were pinpoint and and really accurate the big thing to monitor here is that Jesus Mischuster left with either like an elbow or a shoulder injury and it felt like immediately after that Hayden Chase Claypool became a dominant force in, in the slot. I mean, his 59-yard touchdown, I believe, was from there. He had another conversion on third and 10 over the middle of the field as well out of the slot. If we see that usage moving forward for Chase Claypool, it makes him absolutely relevant each and every week because we know he's a sick athlete, and that's an area of the field that, that Ben
1: loves to target. Yeah, Big Ben can't have three must-play wide receivers when they're giving the ball to Najee Harris so much, but if it's just two of them, and in my opinion, it's the two best receivers in Deontay and Chase Claypool. Obviously, there's some ceilings to chase. So we'll we'll monitor the Juju stuff. It looked like he was in a lot of pain, and he's also dealing with rib injuries coming before this too. So if he's out, obviously you're playing Claypool and Deontay next week.
0: On the Broncos and we know Teddy was questionable to come into this game. He did play, did throw two touchdowns. Uh, Quentin Sutton, very quiet, seven receptions, 120 yards and a score. Tim Patrick, seven receptions, 89. A lot of that, again, was in the second half, and there was a moment where the Broncos – really cut this one close. They also were kind of handed the game away by the referees because they did shut down a, a Steelers attempt uh, on third and 15 that for somehow was given as a pass interference play. The one I want to bring up Javante Williams, because this was kind of like the first game where Williams and Gordon like weren't almost identical in terms of their, their production. Javante Williams had a really long 49 yard run. In fact, just 12 yards on his other seven carries. Uh, it was a nice, just kind of like pitch toss play. Uh, used to run in Madden all the time. But what they did was bring Noah Fan out in front of him, get Javante Williams getting to plant his foot, and then he just outran a bunch of defensive backs. He was just short of the goal line. That's really nice straight line speed that we've seen from Javante. But again, it's not like Melvin did anything to lose any opportunity here. And quick tip of the cat to Kendall Hinton, who was a laughing stock last year for being forced to play quarterback. Uh, on the COVID list, but he scores a touchdown today on two receptions in 25 yards. Stud well. Love that guy. Love that guy. Legend. Um, quick notes, Falcons and Jets, Cal Pitts, nine receptions, 119 yards a score. Again, if there was ever a game that we could see Arthur Smith you know, know where he was going to go with the football and see if he could manufacture space and opportunity for it, I know that Cal Pitts has had
1: Great usage the last few weeks, but hey, this is the first time it really hit home. That's three for five in the Benjis of the week, right there, Joshua. Uh, yeah, went went nuclear, and he won at multiple levels here. And he looks just like an awesome player. He was inconsistent to start, but top five usage, top five routes, top five pedigree—like, what else could you ask for? Like right now, there's like it's him and Hawkinson right now for the the tight end three crown, and you can you can give it to Kyle Pitts right now just because he's being targeted more often. So a quick shout out to obviously Cordell Patterson came through big time again, and Matt Ryan has looked better in the last two weeks than the first couple weeks. I wonder if Arthur Smith taking a little bit, figuring out which pieces work, which pieces don't, and that they're going to be at least functional of note. They were playing the jets. So we have to kind of monitor that. And
0: Mike Davis found the end zone and Mike Davis played a boatload of snaps. So uh, he's still playing relevant, which is great. Zach Wilson cannot play inside of the pocket right now. Uh, this was a big issue. I think it's what everyone is is noticing, and it's why they're struggling so much in first halves because last week in the second half, he was able to escape and make plays outside the structure. He did that a little bit in the second half of this game, but that's not an offense. It's not an offense. Just escape out and point people down the field and throw the ball, and they need to figure out like their scripted offense, and that's a really big detriment to me and, and potentially bad coaching by uh, by Mike 4 uh, Let's jump to Minnesota and Detroit. Field goals weren't the only thing in Cincinnati and Green Bay. We also had a last-second field goal here for the Minnesota Vikings that, in a cool way, brought Dan Campbell to tears. Um, Justin Jefferson, as you have noted, might be playing the best in the NFL at his position other than Devontae Adams, let's say that. I understand that but it only says seven receptions for 124 yards, but he was an absolute stud today.
1: It feels like it's like him and Stefan Diggs for like, Third best wide receiver behind Tyreek and Devontae. So uh, Justin Jefferson, total baller. We're not getting the crazy KJ Osborne weeks like we did in week one. It's just yeah. him. It's just Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, like at the very last second, got at least a couple catches. But right now, like for my money, Justin Jefferson's like unguardable.
0: Didn't focus in this game. Obviously saw that Alexander Madison, when Dalvin Cook is not playing, Alexander Madison must be in your lineup. As we talked about, only about five to six names that should be ahead of him in all. Of rankings, 25 carries, 113 yards, seven receptions, 40 yards, and a score. I want to go back and see what happened to this offense in the second half. I know Madison fumbled. Uh, I think they missed a 46 yarder as well. But 13 points in the first half, just six in the fourth quarter, and they did nothing in in the third quarter. And yeah, these games where the Lions are chasing, they're 0 five. But you know, DeAndre Swift keeps finding the end zone. Jamal Williams got 13 carries and 57 yards. This is absolutely the game script that you love for those types of backs because. We know where the ball is going in those dynamics.
1: Yep. I'm very curious to see what the hell is going on with TJ Hawkinson. I, I don't have an answer right now, though.
0: Let's talk about New Orleans Saints improving to three and two, being the Washington football team away on the road, 33 to 22. I think we got the full Jameis Winston experience, Hayden, a lot of short stuff, a lot of game management, and then some absolute vertical shots over in the direction of Marquez Calloway. I believe Well, no, one time on the left-hand side for like a 12-yard score and then a Hail Mary to end the first half. I mean, have you ever seen a chart – here, I'll pull it up – that looks more Jameis Winston than today's where it's just short, 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 vertical shot? Absolutely love it because Jameis can hit those. And it it, it is kind of the game plan that Sean Payton – we saw it work in week one
1: and we see it work here in week five as well. Jameis is throwing the deep ball really well. Even last week, he had two awesome deep throws. Uh, you have Taysom Hill leave on the cart. Don't love to see that. It seems like he has a concussion or something like that. And Jameis Winston's been hitting the deep passes. And I think that the Taysom Hill injury is significant because that might be able to get Jameis Winston into like the quarterback two territory if he, if Taysom Hill does miss some time. And I, I'm, I've been kind of encouraged with Jameis Winston. Obviously, he's going to have some inconsistencies in general. But when Jameis Winston can stretch the field a little bit and when they get Michael Thomas back, and obviously what, we're, what they're doing with Alvin Kamara is awesome too, uh, the Saints might be able to stay afloat here. They're going through, they're three and two going into the bye, and they might be getting some key pieces back. So maybe the Saints turn pretty frisky in the second half of the season here.
0: When you get Eric McCoy back, Teron Armstead healthy, and on defense, you get David Anyamata back, and their defense made some really good plays against Taylor Heineke. I want to talk about Alvin Kamara here for a moment. Our guy, Alvin, I mean, Two touchdowns here after, quote-unquote, not catching a pass last week. Five receptions, 51 yards, and a score in the air. On the ground, 16 carries, 71 yards, and a score. Hayden, it's vintage Alvin Kamara. Like, just straight up the middle of the field is gliding like no one else is around him. And I can only imagine. I think this was on the receiving touchdown. Just like a hop, skip, and a jump on the way in when everyone else around you is running at full speed to try to tackle you, but you know, you're in and you can just go half speed and just waltz into this end zone. That's a feeling I'll never have. And I can only imagine that Alvin is able to do that on a consistent base. Cause we've seen it throughout his career.
1: Yeah. Alvin said in the huddle, Jameis Winston was, was screaming, let's go, let's go because he <laughs> so, he got the, the play call in from Sean Payton and knew that he was going to be wide open. So Uh, Shout out Jameis, like feeling pretty confident in the huddle too. Uh, Real quick, going to Alvin Kamara's usage. He sets a career high 24 carries three weeks ago. And then last week, a new career high 26 attempts. And then this week, he goes 16 carries and eight targets. So he's putting the team on his back right now. He's going to be even more impressive probably when Michael Thomas comes back. They need to play a second piece. uh, But they're getting Alvin the ball schemed up in a bunch of ways. And if Jameis can keep playing better, he can be like a top three, top four fantasy running back still.
0: Not often in a season that you obviously have success right now in the Saints, but even more possible potential when Michael Thomas does come back. But the constant there is definitely Alvin Kamara. Quickly on Washington, Curtis Samuel played a little bit, like 13 snaps, then exited again with that same groin issue. I don't know why he's playing. Um, Taylor Heineke, bottle that confidence, dude. You're fun. You're trying to throw, though, outside the numbers Inside the red zone from the opposite hash, and it gets intercepted, and the game is over at that point. A little shocking to me, still, that Antonio Gibson gets 20 carries, had two touchdowns. Hayden, it really might be right now the injury is just managed. And as we go along, it gets worse and worse because it is a stress fracture. That sounds awful, but it sounds like it's a pain tolerance thing at the moment.
1: The bigger surprise is that they were trailing and that they still got him 20 carries. So I think that's like just a they don't want to give Taylor Heineke the rock that, that many times. So Antonio is still going to get his. He's just not going to get the passing game work that we were hoping for. And he's going to be pretty touchdown dependent, but the dude scores a lot of touchdowns and is capable of ripping off some big plays. So hopefully he just stays healthy.
0: So if Curtis Samuel is out, Logan Thomas is out, I believe Ricky Seals Jones played like hundred percent of the snaps and today had a big play called back as well. Want to monitor that with Washington moving forward. Let's jump again, one of the final games, Tampa Bay 45, Miami Dolphins 17 the Bucks are four and one and Tom Brady is hunting for those records five touchdowns 411 yards Antonio Brown 62 yard score 124 yards overall Mike Evans two scores himself even Leonard Fournette over 110 yards and a score he is the volume magnet like we keep talking about but he wasn't the only one to hit home today
1: Real quick, Tom Brady's on pace for 5,800 yards, 48 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, and they're 4-1, and one, and right now he is the current MVP favorite. And I have to agree, like he looks insane. Even in that loss to the Rams, he was still making some awesome plays. And I think that the, the secondary being kind of exploitable right now is going to play into – the Tom Brady numbers that you're going to get from Mike Evans, Antonio Brown when Gronk returns. Uh, Chris Godwin obviously will have bigger games too. But if the Bucs can't stop the pass as much as they thought they were coming into the season and Tom Brady's still playing this well, like he's going to have like that Aaron Rodgers season from last year. And I think that he's a top five fantasy quarterback. I know he doesn't scramble, but when you're putting up this level of production, it's hard not to be buying in.
0: Yeah. And we know how long the season can be, and right now Kyler is an absolute joy. Justin Herbert, those are really the names that we can throw out there. But a team that with lasting power is absolutely Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had those early season moments. We have him on Thursday Night Football, I believe, this week. If he chases those records, that's a major narrative that's going to hit as as we go along towards the end of the season.
1: Do you think he's going to have more passing touchdowns, or do you think he's going to be older? What, age or passing touchdowns? What do you, passing what do you got? Passing touchdowns. Passing touchdowns. It's so – I mean –
0: Clearly, against his old buddy in Brian Flores, he didn't have to run up the score here, Hayden. It's clear what he's doing. He is searching for the records and adding another five touchdowns here. Let's quickly talk about Miles Gaskin because you highlighted this really well. And Jacoby Brissett left for a period of time with what looked like a hamstring injury, but came back in this game. Miles Gaskin has been dust for multiple weeks, but last year we know he was so productive because of his screen game usage. Today we saw a lot more of that on swing passes and everything when the the. The Bucks' front was being so aggressive. He was kind of slipping behind it and picking up yards, 10 receptions, 74 yards and two touchdowns. I will add that is not an offense. That is not something that is really repeatable. And we know that the dolphins were not even going to try to run on the team. nine total runs, and it was going to happen no matter what. So maybe we should have seen the miles Gaskin game coming a little bit, but also Hayden, I don't know if this is something we can project ever again, the season.
1: I'm not sure if we can project it for Miles Gaskin, but I'm with you. I am upset that I did not see this coming because it made so much sense. But I do think we can kind of project what Miles Gaskin did to other running backs and to other tight ends and to other yes. wide receivers that are playing the Bucs every single week. It is literally without – I'm going to post the chart again, and the Bucks are going to be way by themselves at like 80% neutral pass rate against them, and every other team is going to be about 50. And if you're not taking into account in the pick lobby, into DFS, into your sit-start questions – You're doing it wrong. This has been a trend, not just from this year, but from last year and the year before that too. So it's one of the most obvious trends that's probably being overlooked by most people in fantasy. Close it
0: out. New England Patriots improving to two and three, a comeback victory over the Houston Texans. Texans were all over the place. Congrats to you, Davis mills. I know this one must hurt, but it was crazy. Flea flickers downfield shots, you know, catches over top of JC Jackson, who was trying to make plays in the football. I mean, three touchdown passes on 312 yards for Davis Mills. Highlight of your year. That's fantastic. But I think there's a lot of talking points we have to have with the Patriots. We know they were missing four offensive linemen here. I think that Mac Jones was like 9 of 10 today or 9 of 12 on play action. It was absolutely unbelievable there. But once again, we exit a Patriots game, Hayden, with major questions at running back. We know this is the identity that they wanted heading into the year. It's not their identity anymore after week five, Damian Harris opens with a Wildcat touchdown. He nearly crossed the goal line on like another series for another touchdown, but fumbles it. Leads with a chest injury, then a rib injury. Remandre Stevenson then sees 11 carries to Damian Harris's 14, but also Brandon Bolden is there for a lot of third down work because JJ Taylor was inactive.
1: Damian Harris's starting job is a little less secure because of the fumbles, and that would be Ramondre Stevenson to replace him if Damian Harris misses next week. I think you're going to see Ramondre Stevenson in the Damian Harris role, Brandon Bolden into the James White role. Neither of them are as good as the starters, in my opinion. And the Patriots' offense is just always going to be capped, like they don't have the outside skill guys to make big plays. Their best position players right now it's Hunter Henry and Jacoby Myers, and like yeah. that's like four six speed coming at you. So they're it's going gonna, gonna to be they're very slow and they can't block. That's being slow and weak in the NFL. Not great. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk passing for Mac Jones. I think that we we've established that John U. Smith probably just not going to make it in fantasy right now. Only two targets. Hunter Henry gets eight of them. Hunter Henry's playing like four times as many snaps. So uh, unless they put Johnny Smith at running back, which they could do or should do, uh, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a fantasy starter this year.
0: He'd be one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. Yeah. Everyone knows the ominous figure at underdog, Nick Rugman. He's just lighting up. And like, I think he might write off the Patriots towards the end of the season. Uh, I will add to all you Patriots fans that are frustrated. Every single other fan base has dealt with this time ty- type of turmoil, like for multiple times in the last 20 years, like this isn't new. It just has never happened to you. So like bad coaching, bad decisions, bad personnel, a slow defense. I'll, I'll add, I think it's a slow defense. Um, it happens. Live with it, whatever, hopefully it improves. And they have the Cowboys this week. It's not going to
1: improve this week. And, and last week, he almost beat the bucks right. in the rain. So right. yeah. I don't feel it bad for you guys. Happen. Sorry. Sorry, Nick.
0: No one, no one does.
1: Okay. We're getting out of here.
0: Little heavy on time. All of you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening on the podcast feed. If you are not, you can take that with you. The underdog football show. It's on every single podcast platform. We will review all of the games this week. Hayden will scrape all of the data this week. We'll be back here on Tuesday, 5.30 Eastern, for our awesome, awesome show where we look ahead to week six, bridge what we just saw in week five, and give you all the actionable information that you need. Daniel, I appreciate you. Everyone that's here, Ridley, thank you for subbing. On the hunt for 10 Thousand subs talking to you, Jack. Talking to you, Frank Skirt, talking to you, Wes, Eric, all of you. Appreciate it. Let's go watch some more football. That's head and winks. I am Josh Norris. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.